Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Alone Today podcast. My name is Joseph and I've got Anu in the studio here with me. Hello, welcome. That sounds so distant, but yeah, welcome. Oh, <clears throat> hello, welcome. That sounds so fake. <clears throat> hello, welcome. Anyways, um, so glad to be together with you again. Today we are going to... Um, actually be doing something a bit different Mm -hmm. we're not responding specifically to any of the questions that we have um we just want to reflect rather on what stood out for both of us individually Mm -hmm. um, from our engagement with the scriptures in the past week what the spirit has pointed our attention to or spotlighted or highlighted for us and and i will go first and then i'll Mm -hmm. wrap it up so hello i hope this is warm enough yeah that's better <laughs> so i am um, i have been reading chronicles mm. and who reads chronicles a child of god yeah. and does. <laughs> it's part of my bible reading so it's just one of the ones i've missed so i'm just catching up on them mm-hmm. so when i got to first chronicles chapter 21 i was fascinated mm. i'll give a brief layout then i'll talk to you about what i want to reflect on so satan is incited david to make a census of the israelites and i understand that he's not supposed to do that so when david did this god sent his word to david Mm -hmm. and told him that he's done something very bad and that he should he needs to repent Mm -hmm. and i like what david did before I say, before I will say what he did, mm-hmm. I'll first make an allusion to say that sometimes for us Christians, yeah. when we when we've done something wrong, or something like incredibly wrong, like outrightly wrong, mm-hmm. we kind of stomach our guilt. We try to self-medicate. Yes. So we we say, God, please forgive me. Say the forgiveness we need to do with other people. Mm. But somehow the guilt itself, we don't deal with it. This is what happens to me. I sometimes feel as though I need to handle the guilt on my own because I deserve whatever it's coming to me. Mm. But David has done something bad. And what he said to God was, please take my guilt away. Mm. When I read that part, I felt like, wow. So God can actually help you deal with the guilt. Mm. So I'm, I'm encouraging us now to say that when we have, when, when our heart condemns us, mm. even though we know that God doesn't condemn us, we can take that condemnation in its entirety mm. and give it back to God to say, can you help me with this? Mm. It's not just a father that wants to correct us. He also wants to help us through the process. Mm. So that's what I gained from First Chronicles 21 verse 8. Mm. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, Take away the guilt of your servant. Yeah. I have done a very foolish thing. Very straightforward. You are so right. I mean, the Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But what does that really look like um, in practical terms? And that was a helpful practical tip as to how you can begin to appropriate that by verbalizing your desire for god to actually deal with your guilt we are never these are baggages that we were never intended to carry or configured to carry uh, but which we end up still trying to carry and self-medicate ourselves out of our guilt and it just doesn't work Um, so i i find that really helpful thank you very much and then moving on to chapter 22 i found something very profound here too Mm. 
Yeah. David knew that he wouldn't be the person that would build the temple of God. Yeah. So he made preparation for the building of the temple. Then after he had made all those preparations, this is what God told David. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. That's First uh, Chronicles 22 verse 9. Let's note this. It will be a man of rest. This is a prayer for us out there, for parents and parents-to-be. We need to start praying into our children that they will be men and women of rest. Mm. Like the word, the phrase just struck me like... Mm, a man of rest. And for the duration of his reign, there will mm-hmm. be peace and quiet. And what a blissful was... life. Sure. Mm. What a... No, like the kings before him and his father, they war, Edomites, Enomites, sorry, I'm saying their names wrongly, but all the mites countries, mm-hmm. they're always fighting, this one is always fighting, this one, treaties are broken, but in this son's reign, mm-hmm. there will be peace and quiet. So we're asking that in our children's lifetime, mm-hmm. there will be peace and quiet, they'll be known as children of rest, mm-hmm. Just the word is actually making me feel like wow. I want to go to bed and just sleep. Yeah. Like, so that is the prayer. So let's not forget that. And let's take that to our week, hopefully. So that's First uh, Chronicles 22, verse 9. Now, moving on again to chapter 29. David's prayer after he had contributed his own token for building God's temple. And when I say token, these are not like tokens, are thousands of gold and silver, wood and oinks and turquoise and stones of various colors, marbles in large quantities, the Bible says. His own personal treasures. Mm. So after David had done this, given all these things, he made a prayer and this prayer struck me as profound. He said, so that's 1 Chronicles chapter 29 from verse 10. Mm. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, mm. from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and power and the glory and majesty and splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Mm. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. Mm. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Mm. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. This is the part I found very deeply profound. It says, But who am I? Who are my people that we should be able able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our, our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple, Mm. for your holy name comes from your hand, Mm. and all of it belongs to you. 
so the part i know it was a long read but the part that i just wanted to focus on was how that the prayer was transparent mm. someone that has given almost everything he has God has told David that he won't build the temple. It's a profound thing to say you won't build the temple for me, mm-hmm. despite the promises he had. Mm. But David took all that, and in spite of the fact that it would be his son and not him, he poured his resources into the building. Yeah. It wasn't haughty. He prayed sincerely. Mm. He said all the precious stones, all the silver, all the gold, came from you anyway i'm just giving you back what is yours Mm. but do take this with thanksgiving and i and i think we should also make our prayer life that way and our our sacrifices in church like if you're a church worker and you pour yourself into church service and making things go go well let it be far from your mind that it is you making things work it is the strength that he has placed in you mm. that is making things work in his house. Mm. Everything is all about him. I know sometimes we get sidetracked by labeling God's body as the church or the leaders as the, our pastors. It is God's house. If we have that notion in our minds, mm. it will make it less tiring. We'll be less offended by people's comments or stares and things like that. So I just wanted to leave that with you. When you were reading that passage, I mean, I felt like, oh, wow. The choice of words, the rich poetry and depth of praise and the sincerity of it. It's just, and it kind of crescendos, you know, into that point where it um, climaxes and says, it's all because of you, oh God, and we, we, we are doing this for your glory. I mean, it's just, it's a very honest prayer. Um, kind of makes you see the heart of David. And when God says, I found the man after my heart, and you're wondering, what does that even mean? Um, prayers like this help us to kind of get a glimpse of what God means. Mm. That this same guy that is, you know, with his weaknesses, um, in spite of all those weaknesses, has a heart for God that recognizes that there is nothing he has that is his really. It comes all from God and goes back to God. So thank you so much for that insight. The last thing I'm going going to reflect on is the death of David. Mm. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 26, it says, David, son of Jesse, was king over all Israel. He ruled over Israel 40 years, Mm. seven in Hebron, and 33 in Jerusalem, he died at a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor, and his son Solomon succeeded him as king. (laughs) Whenever I read this part, it just makes me want to cry. Cry for joy that I see this now. And this is for us in relation to our parents. Our prayers should be that they should die at a good old age Mm. but live a good life full of wealth and honor i'm not with my parents my mom right now my mother-in-law i'm I'm not with them but sometimes the distance makes you crave for wanting to do something physically yourself Mm. for them but if you can't if you can physically do something for them the prayer is that God will surround them with people that would make their life easy. Mm. 
make their old age good. And this wealth is not just in, in materials, wealth in their peace of mind, wealth in satisfaction and having a good life. And that's my reflection. God bless you for listening. Wow. Yeah. That's 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 a prayer to pray for our parents. I like that the thread all through your reflection has brought us from praying from the cradle to the grave in a manner of speaking. Mm. Praying for our kids even before they come to praying for our parents, for those that still have some. I mean, mm. all of us still have parental figures, even if we don't have biological parents with us. Um, and and just praying for such a blissful um, end for them, a end that that is rich with the legacy and the legacy part of that legacy being even you yourself that you are left behind that get to outlive them um so yeah that's a beautiful prayer to point us to thank you very much for my own reflection um it's actually just about um the night before jesus was arrested and of course this was well documented matthew mark luke and john but in luke's account specifically in that um night when they would have the day before his crucifixion when they would have the Lord's Supper as we call it now um, in Luke's account in Luke chapter 22 um, this is covered in verse 7 to verse 13 thereabout but in verse 8 specifically the Bible says Jesus sent Peter and John saying go and prepare for us the Passover meal that we may eat it uh, I mean that's just like a simple assignment kind of go and do this and the next thing should be okay yes sir we'll go and do it <laughs> but of course that wasn't that was a vague assignment in a manner of speaking go yes. and prepare the passover meal for us that we may eat it we are in jerusalem but we don't live in jerusalem i mean they are in jerusalem but that's they've always been in galilee and jesus did all most of his ministries around that area mm. but now they're in jerusalem where the whole drama is coming to a climax and Jesus is asking them in this place where they've not exactly been together with the disciples too before to say, go and do this. And of course, um, I like that the next thing that Peter and John did was to actually ask for clarification. So in the next verse, they were like, okay, fine, we'll do it. But where should we make such a preparation? Um, and that's as simple as that is that's actually pivotal i mean that was the first thing the holy spirit drew my attention to in that passage to say did you see that they were interested in knowing the location mm-hmm. um the importance of location vis-a-vis when god sends you on an errand mm-hmm. i've heard people say when god sends you on an errand he pays the transport fare <laughs> but before you even begin to run to deliver the errand you want to be sure you know what you're running about Mm. um if he gives you a message to deliver you want to be sure you are clear with the message and you know who the message is for Mm. before you launch out so they clarified with him okay you want us to go and make preparations for where we'll have the supper that's fine but where where should we do it and then the interesting thing then comes in responding to the where question and that's from verse 10 to verse 13, where Jesus says, When you enter the city, you will find a man carrying a jug of water. Follow him home. Say to the owner of the house, The teacher told us to ask you, Where is the room that I may use to have the Passover meal with my disciples? He will then take you to a large, fully furnished upstairs room. Make the preparations for us there. And Bible says they went and found everything to be exactly like Jesus had prophesied. 
and they prepared the Passover meal. And, and I was wondering, what if they had not asked? What if they had set out on that journey to say, okay, Jesus has given us this interesting assignment. How can we brainstorm on how to execute it in and of ourselves? And we, we sometimes tend to do that. Like we feel like we have an assignment from God. But without getting the full clarifications of it, we start figuring out the rest on our own. Let him who began, the one who initiated the assignment, be the source of the clarifications for the assignment. Mm. But more than that, the other major point from this passage is that the uh, the location and the provision, they are tied together. Mm. The location and the provision, they are tied together. You will find the allocation as it were to flourish when you are in the location that god has ordained for you mm. if you are where he wants you to be you will find what you need for to do what he wants you to do if you are where he wants you to be you find there what you need to do what he wants you to do mm. and and I, I mean i've seen this play out in my life in different seasons one notable one being when i felt persuaded to go into full-time ministry pastoral ministry um in 2012 in nigeria and of course the one and major question i had for god was where where is this going to start where where am i going to set forth to launch forth to deliver this message or this mandate that you've given and he gave a clear answer to that. There were many other things I wanted to know that I didn't know at the time. But knowing where was just enough because indeed looking back in retrospect, being at the place where he wanted me to be, the resources that I needed to move on to the next season and the next season is always where he wants me to be. So being where God wants you to be, you get to enjoy the resources you need to do what he wants you to do so those are the two uh thoughts that struck out for me that i thought to leave you with when you were talking earlier you mentioned that they they didn't just go ahead and with just jesus's first instructions they went back to ask for clarification does that not indicate faithlessness does not indicate if you ask joshua to say go and bring that like your point to go and bring that book mm. and it comes back and say which book i'll be working up in the book when you specifically said it's that book was that not act like he doesn't believe in the first thing you said to him but that's different so in this case the that the that book was missing on the one hand i mean he just said go and prepare a meal yeah imagine the scenario you are you are not in Liverpool, you are in Middlesbrough, which you've never been to before. And both of us find ourselves in Middlesbrough. And I say to you, go and prepare. <laughs> go and prepare what I'm going to eat for dinner. Ah. <laughs> While we are still at the train station. And ah. uh, you you have some, you definitely would have some follow-up uh, questions. To that. That's exactly what is happening here. On the other hand is, these are the same disciples that have been with him when the issue that happened in john chapter 6 happened when jesus fed five thousand. Mm. it came again just like this to all the disciples to say go and find food to feed these people mm. the bible had it immediately that but he knew what he was going to do in other words he's testing them in a manner of speaking but mm. what he was going to do is inside him he knew what he had an anointing for solution he knew where or how 
the 5,000 plus people were going to be fed. And so I think the disciples have learned, they've learned that from Jesus, that when Jesus sends you to go and do something, just <laughs> get him to clarify and then you get to know the modus operandi um, mm. in that case. And that's, that's what they did. Um, so it's not faithlessness to ask God for clarifications when you don't. I think it's faithlessness when you actually want to finish in the flesh what God started in the spirit mm. or finish by logic what began by faith. Mm. Um, and and that's, that's the lesson that I think the Holy Spirit is pointing attention to okay, that in that sense. passage. Alright, thank you very much. Um, we hope to come your way again next week um, reflecting I mean responding to some of the questions that uh, our listeners and have sent in hmm. um, till then just remember you are not alone today, today. God, God bless, bless you, you.